0: The media rush to Joe Biden's defense as he struggles to keep his presidency afloat. A whistleblower alleging Chinese corruption with the Biden family is hit with criminal charges and NATO gathers to discuss Ukraine. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Thousands of my listeners have already secured their network data. Join them at expressvpn.com. So as Joe Biden continues to fall apart, the media are rushing to shore him up. There is nobody really waiting in the wings. I understand there's a bit of a Gavin Newsom boomlet going around. But the fact is that Gavin Newsom, he's not been a very good governor of California. He's extraordinarily vulnerable to a variety of counter charges, including the fact that he's actually lost population during his tenure as governor. Gretchen Whitmer over in Michigan. She didn't do a good job during COVID. Who else is in the wings? Kamala Harris, worst vice president in modern American history. Horrible approval ratings. Pete Buttigieg, who's been so bad as secretary of transportation that the paternity leave was actually the high point of his tenure in that position. So they're kind of stuck with the old man, and they know it. And it's increasingly bad day by day. Yesterday, Joe Biden was visiting the UK in anticipation of a NATO summit over in Vilnius, and um, he was forced to rely on cue cards in order to have a basic conversation with the prime minister of the UK.
1: Oh, the bloomed.
0: <laughs> well, Joe, welcome. It's great to have you here. Back there is in holding cue cards. I think. You've been here a few times before, I know, but your first time is... President, very privileged and fortunate to have you here. Thanks for
1: coming.
0: We've met in San Diego, Belfast, Hiroshima, Washington,
1: here, and uh, couldn't be meeting with a closer friend and a greater ally.
0: He is no longer with it. He's doing a very, very basic presser with Rishi Sunak, who presumably Joe Biden thinks works at 7-Eleven, because uh, Joe Biden, you know, once made mention of the idea that everyone who works at 7-Eleven was Indian. Yeah, you remember that? You don't because the media obscured it because they did that with like pretty much everything regarding Biden. Well, that continues to this day. Joe Scarborough has an entire piece over at The Atlantic claiming that everything is hunky dory, that all of the bad feelings Americans have about Joe Biden and his presidency so far. Well, it's because they are misinformed. It is not it is not the Democrats who are wrong. It is the kids. The full principal Skinner here. Joe Scarborough says America is doing just fine, quote. As Americans celebrated the 4th of July by watching baseball fireworks and Joey Chestnut hammering home his 16th win in the Nathan's hot dog eating contest, poor Uncle Sam labored through the midsummer celebration, beleaguered and under siege from all sides. News items over the course of the holiday weekend reported Americans were feeling more skeptical of their country's future. Uncle Sam deserves a modern day Atticus Finch to argue his case before the American people, but he doesn't have one. But the real problem here is that, of course, we are being too hard on slow Joe Biden. If only we were just if if only we recognize that Joe Biden is actually doing an amazing job. How bad has this become MSNBC? Rolled forth Chris Matthews. He's back, Chris Matthews. was going I say. To gush over Joe Biden. And look a little rough. Come in here. Rolling in here. On the chair. Didn't brush my hair. Come out of the show. up in the morning. Looking all rumpled. Chris Matthews, as we say,
1: go. It's so interesting how this whole thing is polarized now that we're doing a great job in world leadership. Probably at the level of FDR or Eisenhower, we're holding the world together. We're building NATO as it was built to be when it was first formed to stop Russia, to stop Russia's advancement into Western Europe. And look where we've stopped them at the Ukraine, at Ukraine. That's where we stopped them and in the Balkans. It's extraordinary what Blinken has done and Jake Sullivan have done and what the president have done all together. They're doing a great job. But here at home, and you talked about that earlier this morning, this distinction where people cannot say what you said in your article for the Atlantic. They can't breathe it. They can't believe it, which is everything is doing pretty well. We have inflation. It's continued, but it's going down. Everything is going, it's going swimmingly.
0: Everything's swimming. Ukraine, that's a country. Sometimes the Russians go in. Sometimes you kick them out. NATO's going amazing. Chris Matthews, everything's weird. Everything's going swimmingly. I like to swim. I like to swim in the, in the river, in the Potomac. I'm going to jump in there right after this. Come here. Get out of it. If I have the chance to do my Chris Matthews impersonation, it's never going to end. I've been waiting for years for Chris Matthews to make his comeback so we can bring back the impersonation. In any case, Chris Matthews s- sings the song from the hymnal, the same media are singing. Dana Bash and the rest of the media are out there in full scale defense of the fact that Joe Biden is a, is a nasty old man. Okay, let's just be real about this. Joe Biden has been a nasty character since he first walked onto the American political scene. This attempt to recast him and recapitulate him as a nice gentleman. As a person who gets along with everyone, it is nonsense. He was leading the charge during the Clarence Thomas hearings, pushing forward the Anita Hill nonsense. It was it was Joe Biden who has threatened his political opponents and yelled at them and bloviated for literally five decades in the United States Senate. This is this belief system that Joe Biden is suddenly a nice, elderly gentleman is just not true. I mean, there's an entire article in the Axios yesterday all about how he yells at his aides. I mean, that's, that's been true for 50 years. That's not the new thing about him. The only thing that's new is that he's kind of senile now. But the, uh, but the the anchors on CNN, they're out there to make sure that you continue to believe that Joe Biden is a nice man. Now, there are a bunch of data points that suggest he's not so nice. One of the most obvious data points is that he has disowned a seventh grandchild through no fault of her own. Because we're talking about a baby. This kid's like four years old. And Hunter Biden stripped some lady. And then that lady had a baby. And they have denied that baby the Biden name, which is the only valuable thing about being a Biden, as Hunter has found out. Hunter has made bank off the Biden name. So is So is Frank Biden, Joe's brother. In fact, everybody remotely connected with the Biden family who can use that Biden name has traded off the family name. But Joe Biden and Hunter, they've denied this baby the ability to use the Biden name, a name so lucrative that you can travel to foreign countries like Ukraine and pick up bags of cash, sacks of cash. And then Joe Biden, when asked how many grandkids, yes, he always says six, even though there are seven, obviously. But according to the media, the real problem here is that Republicans are pouncing. It's the Republican pouncing that's the problem. Here is Dana Bash defending Joe Biden's missing seventh grandchild routine.
1: This is, this is a story that is sad and disturbing on so many levels. Um, yes, it is political
0: for a couple of reasons. Um, number one, yes, Republicans are using
1: it are, and are going to take advantage of it in a way that is unfortunate and inappropriate. But the reason they are doing that is because, and able to do that, is because of the brand and the kind of person that we all know and believe Joe Biden to be because it's who he says he is. And it's somebody who is a family man. That's what we see all of the time.
0: We see he we know he's a family man. We know it's, it's disturbing because we know he's such a wonderful man. And it's only that these Republicans they keep being mean about the fact that he has completely disowned a seventh grandchild and pretends that, that grandchild does not exist. And the talking points don't match the reality for the Democratic Party, but they're going to soldier right on through. We'll talk more about this in a moment. First. You know a company is looking out for you when they actually upgrade their service and they don't even charge you for it. That's great news, and it is great for the new and current PureTalk customers. PureTalk just added data to every plan and includes a mobile hotspot with no price increase whatsoever. If you've considered PureTalk before but haven't made the switch, take a look again. For just 20 bucks a month, you'll get unlimited talk, text, and now 50% more 5G data plus their new mobile hotspot. This is why I love PureTalk. They're veteran-owned. They only hire the best customer service team located right here in the United States of America. Most families are saving almost $1,000 a year while enjoying the most dependable 5G network in the country. Remember, you vote with how you spend your money, so stop supporting woke wireless companies that don't support you. When you go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro, you'll save an additional 50% off your very first month because they actually value you. That's puretalk.com slash Shapiro. PureTalk is wireless for Americans by Americans. They're a company that is proud to stand by The Daily Wire. This is one of the reasons we like the folks over at Pure Talk. Go check out their service right now. Use it for all of my business calls. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Again, that's puretalk.com slash Shapiro and get an additional 50% off your very first month of coverage. We'll get to more on this in just one moment. First, we all know the first thing we do when we get home from work is change out of those work clothes and Jump into loungewear. Well, luckily for me, I have Tommy John to come home to as I slip into my Tommy John loungewear set. I'm immediately enveloped in a cocoon of supreme softness and unparalleled comfort. Not only is their loungewear cozy enough to use as sleepwear, well, if I have to walk to the park with my kids, I don't look like a schlub. And guys, you might be wondering how these things can get any better. Their underwear Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear, or it's free guarantee protects your most valuable assets. So what exactly are you waiting for? Try Tommy John today. You can thank me later. For silky soft comfort with sophisticated style, check out Tommy John's luxurious second skin limited edition colors right now at TommyJohn.com slash Ben. They're going fast, so hurry to TommyJohn.com slash Ben. Okay, so The View was also out in defense of Joe Biden's missing seventh grandchild routine. So the collective IQ at The View, which maybe breaks double digits, Maybe. They had many thoughts on why it is that Joe Biden is disowning a grandchild. President Biden doesn't need to overstep his son. I like that part, but mm-hmm. I don't know why they go out of their way to say six grandchildren or four kids. When my parents talk about me, they say we love all our kids. We love our grandbabies. I've never seen them <laughs> numerically repeat over the and re- over I like three re- kids. I like four no, this. I the like reason, six the re- this. I like
1: th- <laughs> the reason that's happening is because the right wing, who again is weaponizing everything related to Hunter, keeps asking, So, how many children do you have, Mr. No, it's grandchildren? Do you have? How many? It's one
0: well, well, speeches he well, delivers. Maybe Maureen something else to write about yeah so they write about that. something else I mean, they uh, were- I just, about I'm sorry you know these things are for me when you start talking about people's families and what yeah. they're doing it's I, f- I find it unnecessary this is not anybody's business nobody needed to know about this no. this is private oh this is, this is private you see if it were the Trump family do you think Whoopi Goldberg would be saying it's private You hear her take a side slap there at Maureen Dowd, the New York Times column. that's because Maureen Dowd, who is certainly no Republican, had the temerity to write a column in The New York Times over the weekend titled It's Seven Grandkids, Mr. President. She says, even my Republican sister is not immune to Joe Biden's gregarious Irish charm. She met him at media holiday parties over the years and was so impressed she got seduced to the other side for a time, voting for the Obama-Biden ticket in 2008 and writing in Biden's name for president in 2012. She sent out a Christmas card one year with a picture of herself cheek to cheek with Biden. Some of her Republican friends stopped speaking to her. So I was surprised recently when I discovered my sister writing a letter to President Biden, a plea she had started in the middle of the night after mulling over the matter for quite a while. I watched as you told the nation you had six grandchildren and you loved each one of them. She wrote, I believe that. What I cannot believe and what I find unconscionable is that you refuse to admit or accept the fact there's a beautiful little four-year-old girl living in Arkansas by the name of Navy Joan, who is your seventh grandchild. In his 2021 memoir, Hunter wrote dismissively about Navy's mother, London Roberts, whom he met while he was spiraling into addiction and going to Washington strip clubs. He wrote that he, the women he had sexual encounters with during his drug rampages were hardly the dating type. But Maureen Dowd points out that none of that matters. Quote, I have hun- I have sympathy for Hunter going into a dark, bleak hole, as he called it. I have sympathy for a father coping with a son who is out of control and who may still be fragile. With Hunter, his father can seem paralyzed about the right thing to do. But the president can't defend Hunter on all his other messes and draw the line at accepting one little girl. OK, but according to The View, even Maureen Dowd should not be signing into this particular debate because... The pressures must be protected at all costs. Here's Sonny Hostin actually blaming mom, blaming Hunter's paramour who sired his child for this even being a public issue.
1: I hate this for that child. Um, You're not asked to be brought into the world. Um, You're just a... It's just a circumstance, mm-hmm. you know, and um, apparently this was sort of more of a one night stand. It wasn't like they had a relationship. Mm-hmm. He was in the throes of addiction when this woman became pregnant. And she is posting pictures of the baby, like with an Air Force One cap and, and um, at the Jefferson Memorial. And so she is sort of trying to, I don't know, wedge herself into the family. And I don't think that's the right way to do it.
0: I mean, it's unbelievable. It really is. They're attacking. Have you ever seen The View attack the woman in a situation like this? So disgusting male knocks up woman. Woman has baby. Disgusting male then tries to lower his child support payments and deny use of his last name to the child. Would you ever believe that the women of The View, these great feminist defenders, would abandon that woman and blame the woman? No, she's trying to wedge herself into the headlines, wedge herself into the family. It, It really is quite vile, but they must defend Biden at all costs. They have to defend Biden. At all costs. I mean, we shouldn't be surprised by the ladies of the view because they are indeed some of the stupidest people walking the planet right now. It's a wonder that they can stay upright. I mean, just as another piece of evidence, Anna Navarro yesterday was talking about how she apparently drives around the state of Florida shouting, I say gay or something out the windows. Just demonstrates the, the high levels of intelligence every day evidence on the view.
1: It wasn't me in New Hampshire screaming, We say gay. Though I wish I would have. I I try to do it every time I'm anywhere near uh, Ron DeSantis or any of his people. Um, I just, like, I go around like a dog in Florida with my head outside of my car. We say gay! We say gay! We say gay!
0: That's that crazy lady on the I 95 was shouting the other day. That was weird. That was weird, but yeah, again, you shouldn't expect much of these women, but. It is impressive how they are willing to put aside all of their feminist bona fides, all their female solidarity nonsense the minute that the old white man is threatened. Never threaten the old white man who they rely upon politically, even if it means that he is disowning his own grandchild. It really is quite disgusting. Speaking of things that could be quite disgusting, I'm sure we're going to find out more details. The whistleblower in the Hunter Joe Biden case, one of the whistleblowers, this particular whistleblower alleging actual contact between members of the Chinese government and the Biden family. That guy's now getting arrested by the DOJ. We'll get to that momentarily. First, it is important for you to have life insurance. It's just an important thing. If you're a responsible person, you got to make sure that your family's taken care of in case, God forbid, something should happen to you. It can happen at literally any time. I don't mean to be dark here, but it's a simple fact of the matter. This is why you should go check out Policy Genius today. A good life insurance plan can give you peace of mind that if something happens to you, your family will have a safety net to cover mortgage payments, college costs, or other expenses. Life insurance through your workplace might not offer enough protection for your family's needs. It's not going to follow you if you leave your job. So go check out Policy Genius and get the life insurance you need today. They make it easy to compare life insurance quotes from top companies and find your lowest price. The simple fact is with Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies starting at just twenty-five bucks per month for a million dollars in coverage. Some options offer coverage in as little as a week and avoid those unnecessary medical exams. Policy Geniuses, licensed agents, work for you, not the insurance companies. That means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another so you can trust their guidance. There are no added fees. Your personal information remains private. Your loved ones deserve that financial safety net, and you deserve a smarter way to find and buy it. Head over to policygenius.com slash Shapiro, or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes. See how much you could save. That's policygenius.com slash Shapiro again. Policygenius.com slash Shapiro. We'll get to more on this in just one moment. First, let's be real. French fries, they're the only good vegetable. But... Unfortunately, they're not healthy. They're bad for you. Well, Balance of Nature, fruits and veggies are the most convenient way to get whole food ingredients every day, like the actual vegetables that count toward what you should be eating. Balance of Nature uses an advanced cold vacuum process that encapsulates fruits and veggies into whole food supplements without sacrificing those natural antioxidants. The capsules are completely void of additives, fillers, extracts, synthetics, pesticides, or added sugar. The only thing in Balance of Nature's fruit and veggie capsules or, you know, like the fruits and the veggies. Right now, my listeners can get 35% off their first order, and they'll also get a free fiber and spice supplement. Balance of Nature's fiber and spice supplement is a revolutionary fiber drink with a unique blend of 12 spices and whole foods. I've been flying pretty much constantly for the last few months, I tell you, I really rely on Balance of Nature. There's never been an easier way to make sure you're getting your daily dose of fruits and veggies. Experience Balance of Nature for yourself today. Go to balanceofnature.com. Use promo code Shapiro for 35% off your first order as a preferred customer, plus get a free bottle of fiber and spice. That's balanceofnature.com, promo code Shapiro, for 35% off that first preferred order, plus that free bottle of fiber and spice. Meanwhile, there is a whistleblower who came out uh, a few months ago. It was unclear who this person was. He had been called a missing witness, and it turns out his name was Dr. Gal Luft. He is an Israeli professor, and according to the New York Post just a little while ago, he laid out bribery allegations against the Biden family in an extraordinary video filmed in an undisclosed location while on the run. In the 14-minute recording obtained exclusively by the New York Post, the fugitive former Israeli army officer claims he was arrested in Cyprus to stop him from testifying to the House Oversight Committee. that The Biden family received payments from individuals with alleged ties to Chinese military intelligence and that they had an FBI mole who shared classified information with their benefactors from the China-controlled energy company CEFC. Luft says that he provided the incriminating evidence to six officials from the FBI and the DOJ in a secret meeting in Brussels in March 2019, but then he says that it was covered up. Here is uh, Dr. Gal Luft making allegations about the Biden family.
1: The same CFC that the U.S. government claims was associated with a Chinese intelligence and, quote, an international criminal organization was a 501c3 charitable organization registered in the state of Virginia and approved by the IRS. CFC Secretary General Dr. Patrick Ho, who paid Hunter Biden a million dollars for God knows what, was not allowed to mention the word Biden before the jury when he was tried in New York in 2018. The very same prosecutor who is now after me, Daniel Reichenthal, told the judge at the time that mentioning the name Biden would, quote, add a political dimension to the case. And the judge agreed. Which means that if I'm ever brought before a U.S. court, I would not be allowed to utter the word Brussels or Biden. And the real context of my arrest, me being patient zero of the Biden family investigation, would be hidden from the jury.
0: I mean, these are pretty bombshell allegations that left is making right here. He says that the government actually has minutes of a Brussels meeting involving Joe Biden. He says he told the DOJ and FBI in Brussels that Joe Biden soon after the vice presidential term ended had attended a meeting at the Four Seasons Hotel in Washington, D.C. with his son, Hunter and officials from the CEFC. That, of course, is the Chinese company that did business with Hunter Biden. Left accounts of the former VP president at that meeting was corroborated 21 months later when the FBI interviewed another attendee, Biden family associate Rob Walker, according to recent testimony before Congress. Another whistleblower, by the way, had testified that uh, Rob Walker was basically never F- interviewed by the by, the FBI as a follow-up. No questions were asked during the Hunter Biden investigation. Luff disclosed during the Brussels interview that CEFC was paying $100,000 a month to Hunter and $65,000 a month to his uncle, Jim Biden, in exchange for their FBI connections and use of the Biden name to promote China's Belt and Road Initiative around the world, and that the money was actually being funneled through Rob Walker. The Oversight Committee has written to Walker demanding he submit to questioning about his role in distributing more than a million dollars from China to at least three of Biden's relatives. Apparently, the DOJ sent a delegation of six people to meet Luft in Brussels, he alleges. there be four FBI agents and two prosecutors from the Southern District of New York. He said, over an intensive two-day meeting, I shared my information about the Biden family's financial transactions with CEFC, including specific dollar figures. I also provided the name of Rob Walker. He also told the DOJ and the FBI in Brussels that Hunter had an FBI mole named One Eye who had tipped off his CEFC associates that they were under investigation in other words, members of the Biden family were in touch with people in the FBI who were actually funneling information to Hunter's business partners. Luft is apparently well-connected in intelligence circles in Washington, D.C., where he ran a think tank, the Institute for the Analysis of Global Security, with former CIA directors James Woolsey and former National Security Advisor Robert McFarlane as advisors. And he learned in 2017, Hunter and Jim Biden were being paid by the CEFC because Luft was in partnership at the time with a nonprofit think tank associated with CEFC as well. When Ho was arrested in 2017 in New York on bribery charges, the first person he tried to call with was Hunter Biden. But at his trial, Ho was blocked by prosecutors from mentioning the Bidens, according to Luft. So he's alleging that um, the prosecutor who is currently going after him is apparently attempting to stifle all questions about Hunter Biden. Well, this is now being paired with the story that this whistleblower is now going to be arrested. He's now under indictment. According to the UK Independent, a whistleblower who has repeatedly accused the Bidens of corruption has now been charged by the DOJ with arms trafficking, acting as a foreign agent for China and violating Iran sanctions. Luft is accused of paying a former advisor to Donald Trump on behalf of principals in China in 2016 without registering as a former agent, as a foreign agent, rather. So but to make a, a rather complicated story short, apparently Gal Luft is, 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 is suggesting that he had personal knowledge that money was being passed via CFC to Hunter Biden, and presumably to Joe Biden as well, in return for Joe Biden's leverage over the FBI. Left has now been indicted by Joe Biden's DOJ. So is the content of the indictment real? Is, is the indictment political in nature? I mean, it's it's very difficult to tell at this point because we just don't know the answer to that. But should we be suspicious? I mean, why wouldn't we be suspicious at this point? Given the militarization of the FBI and the CIA against, for example, Donald Trump from 2015 through 2020. According to, the, according to Newsweek, Luft was previously believed to be a key figure in House Republicans' probe into the Biden family's alleged corrupt foreign business dealings, although he was reported missing by GOP figures. One of the officials Left is accused of covertly attempting to recruit and pay on behalf of principals based in China, was an advisor to then president elect Donald Trump. That presumably would be former CIA director James Woolsey, who was a national security advisor to Trump during the twenty sixteen election, and who was also associated with Luft. Elsewhere in the indictment, prosecutors say that Left sent an email in 2016 to a person named only as CC1, identified by the Washington Post Aaron Blake as a now convicted Chinese oil executive, celebrating that Woolsey had joined Trump's team. So, who's actually corrupt here? The government is alleging that Gallof is corrupt. Left is alleging the Bidens are corrupt. Now, all of this stinks to high heaven, and presumably we will have more information in the near future. You would imagine, but that's not the only thing that stinks to high heaven. In just a second, we'll get to the. Hunter Biden prosecutor, who is now suggesting that he was not rejected for special prosecutor status. We'll get to that momentarily first. If you run a small business, you need to plan ahead. One of the best ways to do that is by using Stamps.com to help mail and ship. Stamps.com lets you print your own postage and shipping labels directly from your home or office. It's ready to go in just minutes, so you can get back to running your business sooner. Stamps.com offers rates you can't find anywhere else, like up to 84% off USPS and UPS+. Plus, They automatically tell you your cheapest and fastest shipping options. For 25 years, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over a million businesses. Get access to the shipping services you need to run your business directly from your computer. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. You can print postage wherever you do business. They even send you a free scale. You'll have everything you need to get started. Here at Daily Wire, we've been using Stamps.com since 2017. For years and years and years... And it's just great. It saves us time, it saves us money, and that's what we're looking for. You should do the same. Set your business up for success by getting started with Stamps.com today. Sign up with promo code Shapiro for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments, no contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click that microphone at the top of the page, enter code Shapiro again. Stamps.com, click that microphone at the top of the page and enter code Shapiro to get started. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, you may have noticed we're experiencing a ton of global instability as primary season continues. How are you protecting your family in the midst of all of this chaos and nonsense? The fact is there is one asset that has withstood famine, war, political and economic upheaval, dating all the way back to biblical times. That, of course, would be gold. It's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold can help you create a well-thought-out, balanced investment strategy that'll help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold without paying a penny out of pocket. Diversify into gold today. Just text BEN to 989898 98 98 for a free info kit. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to check out Birch Gold today. Text BEN to 989898. Claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Smart investors diversify. And when you look at the pace of inflation over the past several years, you can see financial instability is the new way of the world. Text BEN to 989898 98 98 to get started with Birch Gold today. Text BEN to 989898. 98 98 talk to my friends over at Birch Gold. Okay, so that's not the only Hunter Biden whistleblower related story. So you remember, there's another whistleblower, Gary Shapley, who served as the lead IRS official on the Biden case, who alleged that David Weiss, the U.S. attorney for the District of Delaware and lead investigator into Hunter Biden, was essentially barred by the DOJ and Merrick Garland from special prosecutor status, which would have allowed him the independence to charge Hunter Biden pretty much anywhere. Now Weiss is coming out and saying that that's not true. He, uh, he sent a letter to Senator Lindsey Graham, the ranking member on the Judiciary Committee. He said, to clarify an apparent misperception and to avoid future confusion, I wish to make one point clear. In this case, I have not requested special counsel designation. Rather, I had discussions with departmental officials regarding potential appointment under a different provision of law, which would allow me to file charges in a district outside my own without the partnership of a local U.S. attorney. I was assured that I would be granted this authority if it proved necessary. This assurance came months before the October 7th, 2022 meeting referenced through the whistleblower's allegations. Now, here is the problem. Shapley made direct claims that prosecutors had refused his request to bring charges against Biden. And Shapley claims that at that meeting, David Weiss explicitly told not just him, but a bevy of witnesses that he had been rejected for special counsel status. This is a point that Andy McCarthy is making over at National Review. He says it has been quite something to watch U.S. Delaware attorney David Weiss squirm. Sweating him on one side are the credible whistleblower allegations by law enforcement agents. He obviously told them he was not the deciding official when it came to whether criminal charges should be brought against Hunter Biden. Pressuring him just as hard on the other side is Attorney General Merrick Garland. When his now familiar slippery style insists Weiss was always the deciding official, I was instructed that if he ran into any interference, he need only ask Garland for special counsel authority and he'd be permitted to file any charge. The circle can't be squared, of course, but the spotlight is on the wrong guy. The spotlight, says Andy McCarthy, should not be on Weiss. It should, in fact, be on Merrick Garland. He says the culprit is Garland. He says, think about the nonsensical construct Garland has built around the public question of who sabotaged the Hunter Biden prosecution, who dragged it out for years, willfully undermining the investigator's ability to investigate, even as we were told that the ongoing investigation necessitated resisting congressional inquiries. Who pulled that off for so long? The statute of limitations lapsed on some of the most revelatory corruption charges. Who choreographed the inevitable sweetheart plea deal? That wasn't Weiss. It was Garland. Garland says Weiss only needed to ask and he would have been given limitless special counsel authority. As a result, the feeding frenzy is now focused on whether Weiss faced resistance from Garland and whether he formally asked Garland. But that's preposterous, because if you look at the actual special counsel regs, what you will see is there is no procedure calling for a district U.S. attorney to seek special counsel status. In fact, it is the attorney general's job to simply appoint a special counsel. In fact, there is not even a procedure for a U.S. attorney to request special counsel status. Instead, it is the AG who's supposed to make an independent determination as to whether special counsel status is even necessary. So this all seems very, very, very slippery, obviously. OK, meanwhile, Joe Biden headed over to the NATO summit. He was immediately confused, as is, as is his uh, usual arrangement. So here's some tape of him arriving at NATO and not knowing where to go. Here he is, just wondering, where am I, where am I going? Where are they? I think I'm over there. Where is that? Is that the sun? Is it Grimace? I'm, just, I'm confused. I don't know what's happening. I think wow. Uh, uh. Very encouraging stuff as uh, Joe Biden steps onto the world stage. Right now, the big question with regard to NATO is whether Ukraine will be offered the ability to join NATO. That seems incredibly unlikely at this point. NATO has taken the bizarre position that they are not going to allow Ukraine into NATO until the war is over. But at the same time, that actually gives real weight to Vladimir Putin to keep the war going. Because if the minute the war is over, Ukraine joins NATO, then why exactly would Putin not just keep pounding Ukraine? In fact, what the United States should do is say, with regard to NATO, that we are happy to make NATO a part of a broader discussion that involves the end of the war. But we're not going to make NATO membership contingent on on the war's end. Again, that that actually makes it in Putin's interest to, to make the war last as long as humanly possible. Meanwhile, the other big headline that came out of NATO is that Sweden has basically now been in all but name admitted to NATO. That, of course, a big loss for Vladimir Putin. That is another state near his borders that is joining NATO. Turkey was the big obstacle. Turkey had been, had been holding this up for the moment because they want their own EU status. But now, apparently, Turkey has dropped its opposition, according to The Wall Street Journal. The agreement was reached in the final hours before a NATO summit in the Lithuanian capital of Vilnius on Tuesday, potentially allowing NATO to expand across more than a thousand miles of territory, straddling the Baltic Sea, shifting the balance of power in northern Europe and creating a potential choke point for Russian warships and aircraft in the region. So now Putin, who started this war presumably to break out of NATO's grip, has actually strengthened NATO instead. NATO Secretary General Jan Stoltenberg said the Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan had agreed to forward Sweden's accession to the Turkish parliament as soon as possible. He had blocked NATO's Sweden, Sweden's NATO bid for more than a year, but told NATO officials he would drop his objections after hours of meeting ahead of the Vilnius summit. NATO's inclusion of Sweden, along with Finland's accession earlier this year, adds significant military heft to the alliance, including hundreds of warplanes and tanks and tens of thousands of soldiers. Now, presumably, this also gives some credence to the Vladimir Putin claim that NATO is trying to box him in. And the reason he got aggressive in the first place is how aggressive, but none of that matters. The bottom line is that if his goal is to weaken NATO, obviously that has failed. However, there's some cost to this. Erdogan happens to be a dictator, a not particularly nice dictator. Erdogan has taken many actions that are counter to American interests. In the Middle East, he's been kind of bizarrely active in Syria, for example. He's been very friendly with the Russians up until now. So this flip must have come with some sort of cost to the United States and the West. And so the question is, what is the other shoe that's going to drop here? What exactly did we give Turkey to turn against the Russians? Because he's made a bunch of moves, has Erdogan, that are, that are specifically anti-Russian in nature. It's really sort of fascinating just as a matter of, of foreign policy. It's not merely that, that Turkey is now dropping its, its opposition to Sweden, joining NATO. It's also that he is um, apparently endorsing Ukraine's accession to NATO, allowing Zelensky to take home Azov commanders. They'd been kept in Turkey. These Azov commanders have now been returned to Ukraine. He authorized France to monitor a nuclear reactor that Russia is building in Turkey and asked for a resumption of EU accession talks as well. This is according to Timur Kuran, who's a professor at Duke University. He says the pivot may be tactical. His visceral hostility to the West is well known. But as with Anwar Sadat's memorable 1972 decision to try to make peace with with Israel, Erdogan's ongoing pivot may endure. If it brings up more Western investment, he and his team may find partnering with West too seductive. I mean, that's possible, or it could just be tactical in extreme. I mean, it could, it could just be that he is attempting to actually worm his way into the NATO alliance, specifically so he can take aggressive action in the Middle East, and then it prevents NATO allies, presumably, from supporting the people he would target in the Middle East. So things could get very ugly with regard to uh, this, this buy-off to Turkey. Again, according to CNN Politics, one major consequence of Erdogan's reversal could be a souring of his relations with Putin only days after he invited the Russian leader to Turkey in August. Erdogan wants to wield Turkey's power to broker an extension to a deal that allows Ukraine to export grain from Black Sea ports as well. It looks as though Erdogan has made a significant break with Putin. But again, he's probably playing both sides. And this is the this is actually the real legacy of Joe Biden's administration. Joe Biden's administration has essentially created incentive structures for everyone to play both sides as often as possible because Joe Biden is just not a very good ally. Joe Biden is always somebody who has his eye on domestic political concerns. And and not only that, he is very beholden to his left. So you've seen pretty much every country in the Middle East now triangulating with China. Saudi Arabia is triangulating with China. Bahrain is, is triangulating with China. Qatar is triangulating with China. Israel has been triangulating with China. Turkey is triangulating with China. Like everybody, is having to, to try to decide exactly how to hold this sort of middle balance between China and the United States. And that is largely because the United States has not proved itself to be a durable ally in a lot of these cases. And so Turkey is now playing between the West and between Russia. And that's going to be the smart play from here on out for all of these non-aligned states. The United States could make those countries into allies if the United States would simply recognize that these, these countries have their own interests and then try to work within those interests. But the Biden administration has the peculiar sort of weird ideological notion that they're going to cram down universal liberalism on everybody. It, it is amazing that they continue to, to push that. So this will be played as a big Biden win, but you don't know what the actual downside is going to be until we find out what Turkey got in, in exchange for all of this. Okay, meanwhile, Joe Biden has been around t- touting his, his economic record. And uh, we now have some information on where income is actually growing in the United States. And uh, it is not growing in the areas that Joe Biden wishes it were growing. We'll get to more on that in just one second. But first, it's time to put that Bud Light boycott money to good use. And lucky for you, we have come up with the cure to Biden inflation. A mega sale right now. You can get up to 40% off on select products from Jeremy's Razors. Here it is. Products like this magnificent hair and body bundle, the beard kit, our smooth six starter set and more. Don't miss out. This sale won't last long. Behold the product. Ooh, beard shampoo, a beard oil. Beard Balm, all the products your beard could possibly want. Go check it out right now. Go to jeremysrazors.com. Get up to 40% off. That's jeremysrazors.com today. Meanwhile, the Biden administration is struggling on economics. The White House's Jared Bernstein from the National Council of Economic Advisors. He continues to claim that if they just say Bidenomics over and over and over, people will suddenly become very excited. That, of course, is not true.
1: Can ask you really hard things and, and and say you know why do why do people
0: not like Bidenomics? Why are the poll numbers down? I can ask you all these things, and you're going to keep yeah, coming that, you back. you know, right?
1: the, the, if you if you ask people about the components of Bidenomics, that's what you said last year, at yeah. a granular level. Some of them you, they like. We're yeah. seeing we're seeing poll numbers that are north of seventy percent. I mean, I can show them to you. Right, but just in terms of approval on how the president's handling the economy it's it's underwater so it just doesn't i think bidenomics in action is going to uh to move those numbers we're already seeing some traction in that direction so why don't we come back and talk about that next time
0: Okay, uh, you're not seeing any traction in Joe Biden's economic numbers. In fact, the Federal Reserve's regulatory chief, according to the Wall Street Journal, has now outlined steps to strengthen the financial cushions for larger banks, which he said would help boost the resilience of the system after a spate of mid-sized bank failures this year. The reason they're having to require that people hold more cash in the banks is because the banks invested in American bonds, and those bonds got absolutely shellacked because of the increase in the interest rates, bringing up the yields, and therefore making last year's bonds worth literally nothing, which is why the Silicon Valley Bank Went under the changes with which regulators are expected to propose this summer come after what Barr described. This, of course, would be Michael Barr, the Fed's vice chair for supervision, describes a holistic review of big bank capital requirements. Under the plan, large banks could be required to hold an additional two percentage points of capital or an additional two bucks of capital for every one hundred dollars of risk weighted assets. The precise amount of additional capital depends on a firm's business activities. Banks would face more difficult stress tests to gauge their ability to weather a hypothetical recession. So we're still going to, instead of, you know, strengthening the economy, we're going to blame the banks for the failures of the government, which is the typical way that the Biden administration works. Meanwhile, all the talk about the Biden sort of economic comeback, it turns out that that's largely in red states. The editorial board of The Wall Street Journal points out President Biden will never admit it, but he has Republican led states to thank for the resilient U.S. economy and labor market. Witness how an earning surge in right-leaning states is helping compensate for sluggish growth in progressive ones. New state personal income data from the Bureau of Economic Analysis highlights how aggregate worker and proprietor earnings in red states grew significantly more in the last year than in the blues. The disparity owes to GOP led states adding more jobs, including in higher paying industries like tech and finance, along with faster growing wages. Earnings nationwide rose 5.4% on average between the first quarters of 2022 and 2023, but way less in New York, California, Connecticut, Rhode Island, Maryland, and Illinois, Meanwhile, earnings in the same period surged in North Dakota, almost 10 percent, New Mexico, Nevada, Florida, Nebraska, Hawaii, South Carolina, Alaska, and Texas. So some of those states, Hawaii, Florida, Nevada, that's tourism resurgence. Some of those states, New Mexico, North Carolina, Alaska, that could be energy. But one of the other things that's happening is that the southern states are gaining in economic credibility and, and, and content. Okay. meanwhile, Donald Trump is leading in the polls by leaps and bounds. He apparently is not going to participate in a town hall event that is going to take place at the Leadership Summit this Friday. The lineup is going to be Tim Scott, Asa Hutchinson, Mike Pence, Nikki Haley, Vivek Ramaswamy and Ron DeSantis. And they're going to be moderated by Tucker Carlson. So it should definitely be worth the watch. But Donald Trump is not going to participate, even with Tucker moderating, which is kind of a shocker. It would be nice if at some point he actually, you know, interacted with the other debate with the other candidates. Yes, he has an overwhelming lead at this point. I understand the tactical idea that he is not going to debate the other candidates. But as a Republican voter, I would certainly like to see him ask questions. I'd like to see him ask some questions. He actually hurt himself pretty badly yesterday in Iowa. He got angry at Iowa's governor and then he proceeded to tweet out or, or truth, I'll quote, I love Iowa, protected and expanded ethanol, got $28 billion from China for our great farmers, and ended the estate's death tax on farms, made the best trade deals in history, introduced the world to our farmers, and kept Iowa's first-in-the-nation status. I opened up the governor position for Kim Reynolds, and when she fell behind, I endorsed her, did big rallies, and she won. Now she wants to remain neutral. I don't invite her to events. DeSinctus, down 45 points. So he's ripping on the very popular governor of Iowa, who his endorsement did not put over the top in Iowa. Iowa's a very red state now. But, um, He's ripping on her. It turns out that that is actually a, a pretty bad idea because many of the defenders of Kim Reynolds in Iowa are now coming out of the woodwork to announce that they are not supporting Donald Trump. That would include Bob Vander who's a big donor and a big Iowa political force. So he is um, stepping on himself a little bit in Iowa, is the former president of the United States. As I said yesterday, he's still the front runner. Could he screw it up for himself? He absolutely could. Okay, meanwhile, we are now learning just how much the cultural chaos that the left purveys has infused things like our military. We have a report out today on how much the Pentagon has spent to treat transgender troops. The Pentagon has currently spent $15 million in the past five years alone to treat 1,892 transgender troops, including $11.5 million for psychotherapy and $3.1 million for surgery. Of the 243 gender reassignment surgeries performed on military personnel since 2016, 50 took place between January 1st, 2016 and December 31st, 2017. 193 happened from January 1st, 2018 to December 31st, 2019. That was two years after Donald Trump announced via Twitter he would bar transgender individuals from serving in the United States military. According to the Defense Health Agency, the surgeries were performed in military facilities and included removals of breasts, testicles, hysterectomies, labiaplasty. The total number of transgender persons serving the armed forces is not known at all at this point. However, your taxpayer dollars are now paying for trans surgeries on military members. All of this, of course, is going to absolutely strengthen America's military presence in the world. Meanwhile, as we mentioned yesterday, 40% of Brown University students are now declaring that they are queer, that they are members of the LGBTQ plus minus divided by sign community. So you notice those numbers in the military, the quadrupling of the number of surgeries on quote-unquote trans individuals between 2016-2017 and 2018-2019. That's happening across society, and we are supposed to believe that this is a medical, not a societal ill. According to the Washington Examiner, the radical increase in alternative sexual orientation at Brown is absolutely incredible. The percentage of students identifying as bisexual has increased since fall 2010 by 232 percent, Students identifying as other sexual orientations within the LGBTQ plus minus divided by sign community have increased by almost 800 percent. That, of course, is because of the giant push that has been happening societally that refuses to allow people to even ask questions. Fascinating article over at Barry Weiss's Free Free Press by Michael Bailey, a professor of psychology at Northwestern University. According to Bailey, I've been a professor for 34 years, a researcher for over 40 over the decades, I've studied controversial topics from IQ to sexual orientation to transsexualism to pedophilia. I've published well over 100 academic articles. I'm best known for studying sexual orientation, from genetic influences to childhood precursors of homosexuality to laboratory measured sexual arousal patterns. My research has been denounced by people of all political stripes because I've never prioritized to favor a favor constituency over the truth. But I've never had an article retracted until now. Again, this is a professor of psychology at Northwestern. Quote On March 29th, I published an article in the prestigious academic journal archives of sexual behavior. Less than three months later, on June 14th, it was retracted by Springer Nature Group, the giant academic publisher of archives, for an alleged violation of its editorial policies. This particular piece was about rapid onset gender dysphoria, parent reports on 1,655 possible cases. It's all about the idea that people who did not actually demonstrate any signs of gender dysphoria in early youth are suddenly at age 12, 13, 14, 15, deciding they're members of the opposite sex. This professor says there is ample evidence that in progressive communities, multiple girls from the same Pierre group are announcing they are trans almost simultaneously. There's been a sharp increase in this phenomenon across the industrialized West. A recent review from the UK showed a greater than tenfold increase in referrals of adolescent girls during just the past decade. His co-author on this piece wouldn't even go by her real name because she was afraid of being blackballed in the industry. She uses a pseudonym to protect her family, especially her daughter, whom Susanna, Susanna Diaz, the pseudonym, believes has rapid onset gender dysphoria. Susanna isn't an academic. She's a mom who's become an activist to raise awareness about this phenomenon. So apparently the article was based on parent reports of almost 1700 adolescent and young adult children, three quarters female. The study had a couple of limitations, but it was a it was a fairly presented article. And then it was canceled by the Archives of Sexual Behavior. On May 5th, a group of 100 academic activists and gender clinicians published an online open letter expressing ethical and editorial concerns about the journal and, quote, serious concerns over research ethics and intellectual integrity of our article. And um, they, uh, they decided to focus in on Ken Zucker, who's a giant figure in academic sex research, especially the science of gender dysphoria. He's also become a target of activist ire, and um, apparently he basically decided to cave. They got surrender. On May 23rd, they received an email from Springer informing them they were retracting the article. The ostensible reason, quote, the participants of the survey have not provided written informed consent to participate in scholarly research. It didn't matter that that wasn't really true. They decided that um, they were going to cancel this anyway. So you wonder why the social contagion is happening? It's literally because if you buck the social contagion, they will ban you from academic publications. Meanwhile, an amazing story out of California Apparently, the California Reparations Task Force that is moving ahead with this idea that they're going to spend billions and billions of dollars to basically just pay black citizens of the state of California, they're now asking the Democrat-controlled state legislature to eliminate all interest on past due child support, as well as any back child support debt for black residents of the state. So now, if a black dad knocks up a lady and abandons her, then the state of California would like to alleviate that debt on the basis of slavery and Jim Crow. That seems like a terrible practice. If you would like to, you know, incentivize people to have babies and then ditch them and then not pay mom, this seems like a pretty good way to do it. And a final report released last week, according to Fox News, the group claimed discriminatory laws have torn African-American families apart and that one effect of that is the harms caused by the disproportionate amounts of African-Americans who are burdened with child support debt. Oh, it was discriminatory laws that made a 25-year-old dude knock up a 23-year-old lady and uh, and then leave her and not pay his child support. That was slavery, you see. You see, uh, a man who was born in 2000, probably it's because of slavery, which ended in the United States in 1865. It's probably because of that, that the dude in 2000 was born in 2000 and knocked up a lady last year ought to be alleviated of his child support obligations. You know, not talk about the, the soft bigotry of low expectations. It isn't even soft bigotry, it's just hard bigotry. You know, talk about people who have no agency, pretending that you have no agency to, you know, take care of your own children in 2023 because of the legacy of Jim Crow, which ended formally in the United States in the mid-1960s, and slavery, which ended in the United States in the 1860s. That's just pathetic. The nearly 1,100-page document stated that black Californians represent a far larger pop- percentage of those who owe child support debt than their proportion of the state's population. Again, this is the equity nonsense. That if black people represent a higher percentage of single dads than, say, Asian Americans, it must be because of racism and not because of anything else. It also claimed that the 10% interest the state charges on back child support hinders their ability to finance further education, attend job training, find employment, and maintain housing because of the legal consequences of not paying such debt. You know, there's a solution to paying the debt. And that is pay up to the mommy of your baby. This isn't all that tough. Again, bad behavior subsidized by the California government is the way they are doing things over there. Speaking of which, LA recently reinstated their zero bail policy that went back into effect in late May for both the city and county of Los Angeles. Under the policy, the LAPD and LA County Sheriff's Department cannot require cash bail for some arrested people before their arraignment. So this means that they are just allowing people to walk out of jail scot free, essentially. Even 50 cents is like, guys, we're toast. He tweeted out, L.A. is finished. Watch how bad it gets out there, shaking my head. Uh, yeah, that would be that would be correct. Again, it is amazing that the city of Los Angeles is now pursuing exactly the same bad bail policy that ruined the city of New York. But this is the way left wing governance goes. Well, the good news is that over in Portland, they've decided that they are going to they are going to essentially save drug addicts by providing them snorting kits. Quote, homeless dr- Portland homeless drug addicts, according to Jason Rants, are being enabled with snorting kits which allow them to snort drugs rather than use needles. It's part of a so-called harm reduction strategy that encourages drug addiction. The Multnomah County Health Department announced its new initiative on a Friday, hoping few would notice. The plan is to provide addicts with tools that cut down on potentially harmful bacteria through sharing or reusing certain drug paraphernalia. Snorting at kits typically include straws, plastic razors, and something to use as flat surfaces to make snorting drugs easier to accomplish. In other news, Hunter Biden has announced his relocation to the city of Portland. That's exciting stuff. Advocates of this approach argue it's a way to push drug addicts away from dangerous and drug use, where bloodborne illness can more easily spread. So they're now actually encouraging people to snort drugs so that they don't shoot up the drugs. Meanwhile, over in New York, where they've done an amazing job with their drug problem, including just, you know, leaving people on the streets to die. The New York Post reports that the flesh rotting animal tranquilizer killing unsuspecting users nationwide has significantly infiltrated drug mills in the Bronx, leading one expert to call New York City's current drug supply its most dangerous ever. The animal sedative Xylazine, known as Trank, arrives in the borough via box truck after being smuggled across the southwest U.S. border or through California and New York City. Special Prosecutor Bridget Brennan told The Post. It's then cut into other drugs, including fentanyl, heroin, meth, and cocaine at packaging mills, many near the Bronx Zoo. From there, the dangerous drugs are distributed throughout the city and the entire northeast, leaving Bronx neighborhoods like Melrose, Bathgate, and Morris Heights especially ravaged, according to the data. Brennan said, overall, our black market drug supply in the city is probably the most dangerous that I've ever seen. People who believe they're buying one drug may well get another drug. They have no tolerance for it whatsoever. Xylazine is certainly a sad part of that story. Users of xylazine often develop rotting flesh and then require amputation. So good times in New York City. More than 3,100 people died of drug overdoses in New York City just last year. That's insane. 3,100 people died of drug overdoses in New York City just last year. The governance of the left, peerless, absolutely matchlessly good. Okay, time for some things I like and then some things that I hate. So, things that I like today. Despite the media's essentially giant blackout on on Sound of Freedom. Sound of Freedom is just raking it in at the box office. First of all, it's become a must-watch for pretty, any, pretty much anybody who considers themselves conservative because it is a very good movie. Also, because Jim Caviezel has the luster of playing Jesus in Passion of the Christ. The movie apparently is really, really good. And... Um, Not only that, the media have decided that they don't like it. So members of the media have been suggesting it's a QAnon movie, which is insane, considering that the entire movie is about real-life attempts to fight sex trafficking. Sound of Freedom opened last Thursday, according to Variety, generating a mighty $14.2 million on the Independence Day holiday. It then picked up another $18.2 million between Friday and Sunday, enough to place third on the domestic box office charts charts behind Insidious, Red Door, and Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. It's only playing in 2,850 North American theaters as much smaller than Insidious and Indiana Jones as well. It's an incredible, it's an incredible showing for Sound of Freedom. It's one of the biggest openings in recent times for a faith-based film, according to Comscore. Hollywood rarely backs films that are geared toward this particular demographic, but people do show up for it specifically because there is a shortage in this particular area. So pretty, pretty amazing stuff from Jim Caviezel and company. The the attempt by the press to treat this as a QAnon stuff, Rolling Stone called it a QAnon-tinged thriller, one that is, quote, designed to appeal to the conscience of a conspiracy adult boomer. That's all insane. Simply because a movie actually takes on sex trafficking of children doesn't make the movie a QAnon thriller. It just means, it it seems like you guys are a little soft on sex trafficking when you get uptight with this sort of stuff, to be honest with you. Meanwhile, another other things that I like, Dana White, who's the head of UFC, he was accused of racism for scheduling fights in a particular way. Here was his response. The Tension between those two and kind of the racial undertones and all those things. How
1: do you... What were the racial undertones?
0: Driggas uh, says he's the real
1: African fighter. And so, you know, Israel dropped some N-words yeah. in there tonight.
0: So what was the racial... Who did? Who dropped the, the racial... Isn't Israel it?
1: was saying over and over, yeah.
0: Drop he's, he's black.
1: 50 N-bombs in bombs Okay, there. he's black. He... Who gives a... <laughs> I was going to say, so you don't have any concern about the way the buildup, the tension between those two? I could care less. This is the fight business. Israel a lot of sign you can say whatever you want to say. Who gives a shit? Why, are, are people b***ing about that? Some people. Oh, of guess. course they are. Oh, shit. All right, got it. Yeah.
0: Too bad. All right. Yeah. <laughs> this is the proper attitude to stupid questions about this sort of stuff. And by the way, to pretend that race has not played a role in boxing before, I mean, that the kind of stuff that Muhammad Ali used to say about Joe Frazier was brutal and awful and, yes, racist. And no one cared about any of that because that is indeed the fight business. Good for Dana White for, uh, for suggesting that he doesn't care because, r- frankly, no one really cares. OK, time for a quick thing that I hate. OK, so there is an op comic, which I suppose is like an opinion comic over at the Los Angeles Times, called What If Abortion Were Self-Defense? And I wanted to analyze this for a moment because it really is one of the dumbest things that I've ever seen in my entire life. So this comic shows, for those who can't see, a chart of maternal mortality. Quote, in the U.S., pregnant people die of pregnancy-related causes at a higher rate than police die in the line of duty. This piece, again, titled What If Abortion Were Self-Defense? So the idea is that people who are pregnant are at a higher risk than people who are police officers. Okay, so... Number one, police officers are being targeted by criminals. Women who die are not being targeted by their babies. Women who die with relation to maternal mortality very often have other conditions that are exacerbated by pregnancy. Maternal mortality tends to congregate in in women who have previous medical conditions, who have high levels of obesity, for example. The actual rate, I should mention here, of, um, of maternal mortality is one woman per 3,040 live births dies of maternity-related causes. Okay, but notice where this goes next. Quote, the U.S. has the highest maternal mortality rate of any developed nation and is the only developed nation in which maternal mortality is rising. Okay, so there's a reason for that. The reason is that the United States actually measures births differently and maternal mortality differently. So in European countries, they, they, don't, they, they, they just don't count certain births as births. Like if a baby dies very quickly, they don't count it as maternal mortality there's an actual difference in the counting statistics with regards to maternal mortality in the United States as opposed to other places. And then they suggest, quote, this danger will only worsen in a post-Roe versus Wade America. Yes, unless you forcibly abort or have many, many, many abortions all throughout American society. The maternal mortality rate in states that have banned abortion is up to three times higher than in states that support abortion acts. Now, the reason for that is not because abortion is quote-unquote saving lives. The reason for that is actually in the prior slide. It says the crisis is even starker for black Americans whose maternal mortality rate is nearly three times that of white Americans. That's been blamed on American racism. It really has more to do with underlying causes. If you look at Europe, Europe has exactly the same sort of disparity between black maternal mortality and non-black maternal mortality. Okay, the, this op-ed continues, anti-abortion advocates argue that an embryo should be accorded all the rights of a human being. If one accepts this argument, given the deadly risks, does a pregnant person not have a right to self-defense against someone threatening their safety? Okay, here's where this thing goes wildly off the rails. Okay, so we'll, we'll continue the argument and I'll explain how stupid this is. Quote, U.S. culture has long accepted self-defense as a valid reason to use deadly force. And then it shows a bunch of presumed Republicans who are carrying guns, fetishized it even. And then it says, imagine if a person seeking an abortion were treated like a cop who had killed someone. Quote, I feared for my safety. chose a woman holding her belly saying, I feared for my safety. And then everybody else says to this woman, it's okay. You were just defending yourself. You did what you had to do. Your life matters. And one of the people defending this woman is, of course, uh, a, um, a person wearing a cross. So the basic idea here is that we should treat unborn fetuses like criminals. Now, I noticed a difference. Criminals threaten police officers on the regular, which is why police officers have to shoot them. Again, I will mention that stat. Out of every live birth, for every 3,040 live births in the United States, there's one case of maternity related death for every 3,040 live births. So the suggestion by this op-ed writer is that every woman should be able to kill her baby at any time without presenting any evidence that the baby was a threat to her, because one out of every 3,040 live births may end in maternal mortality. So the actual argument that this moron is making is that if police officers, in every single traffic stop, just shot the person they were stopping because whether they're a risk or not, that would be perfectly okay with the American public. That's the actual equivalent. The analogy does not work at all. Police officers shoot people when they are actively threatened. You know when um, pro-life people say that abortion could be appropriate? When mom's life is threatened, we don't actually argue this one. When the mom's life is actually threatened, then it is a form of quote-unquote self-defense. In fact, if you look in the Talmud, it's literally called this. In the Talmud, and the actual terminology that is utilized with regard to a baby that threatens mom's life is the terminology "rodave," meaning a pursuer, like a person who's trying to attack and kill you, is one of the, the justifications for abortion in such a case in the Talmud. But all pro-life people that I've ever heard of believe that if mom's life is in danger, abortion may be appropriate to save mom's life. But that's not what this person is arguing. This person is arguing we need abortion on demand across the country because all babies are inherently a threat to mom which is totally wild and insane. Uh, I, can't, I can't. Honestly, I can't believe the LA Times published this garbage, except that I can. Okay, final thing that I hate today. So I, I have to admit that um, I laughed really hard at Chuck Schumer suggesting that it's time for the FDA to probe Prime Energy drink because it has lots of caffeine. Here's Chuck Schumer, the Senate Majority Leader, God help us all, talking about the evils of Prime. What is specifically targeted at kids but has more caffeine than a cup of coffee more caffeine than a can of Coke. More caffeine than even a Red Bull. And what has more caffeine? Wow, I was this, looking at pictures, guys. This new summer sensation sensation drink aimed at kids called Prime. Wow, wow. What I love is the is when they say that the FDA ought to target Prime. Also, he's really worried about Prime's impact on your kids. Also, you should cut the genitals off your kids. That's the solution, right? I mean, totally fine with, you know, hormone blockers, puberty blockers, surgeries, sterilizations. That's fine with the Democratic Party. That's necessary for the Democratic Party. But um, prime is really the problem. All right, guys, the rest of the show continues right now. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll be joined on the line by Kirk Cameron. If you're not a member, become a member. Use code Shapiro at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. Click that link in the description and join us. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First.